You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us, 8888-ROAD-DOG. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, we can take those calls and help you with those questions and anything else you've got. Bring it to the table. I'll do my best to get you an answer. And if I don't know, maybe somebody else listening will. Maybe somebody else can help us out. So bring it to the table. We'll talk about it. That's really what the show's all about. It's based around trucking, but we're here to help you run a better business. And my experience has been in, in 30 years of running a few successful businesses and a few very unsuccessful businesses that the biggest factor in your success for your business is how well you do, how good you are at, at being you, which includes really everything about your life. It's your health, it's your energy levels, it's your ability to create relationships and, and relate to other people, your ability to learn new things. All of those things are, are key to running a successful business. And many times we overlook those things and we just want to move on to just tell me how to make money. Yeah, that, that's important, but it's like trying to build a house without a foundation. It, it'll work for a little while, but it won't sustain the test of time. That's why many, many businesses get started and then they're out of business before long. I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to build a business that you can have and enjoy for the rest of your life and maybe even pass down to somebody if that's what you want to do. So with that said, I've got I've always got something to say, but what you have to say is more important. So let's get to the calls. Let's start off in Kentucky. Adam, welcome to the program. Adam, are you with me? Uh, well, let me put Adam back on hold and let me try another call. Let's try Mississippi. Stephen, welcome to the program. Hey, sir. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? Uh, you know, I can't complain too loud. Hey, I got this. Uh, I got my carrier. They're, they're buying me a new trailer, and they're going to put solar panels on the roof of the trailer, and they want to oh, do some cool. sort of some sort of, you know, non-diesel power generator kind of thing for this big sleeper, kind of a guinea pig to see if it'll work in this big sleeper. And that way they can try and utilize it on their other trucks. Great idea. And yeah. And, I'm, and I mean, I don't listen to you all the time, unfortunately. I hate to admit that, but it's true. Yeah, that's uh, okay. I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever, if you ever came up. I remember a couple of years ago, you was talking about something. I didn't know if you ever came up with any ideas or what you was, leaning towards or what I can tell these guys to spark yeah. the generator that goes in the sweeper. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And, and if, 
you don't mind, we could get to that in just a couple minutes and I'll have some pretty clear recommendations that I came up with. But but before we do, if you don't mind, I was kind of following your exploits on uh, Facebook before I eliminated myself from Facebook. And do you mind just taking a couple minutes and telling us about your adventures with the wreaths across America? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it's a great program. Uh, you go up to Maine, you get the wreaths, you, you bring them to a national cemetery, and you, uh, uh, I believe it's the second Saturday of every December is uh, considered uh, a national wreath laying day. And, uh, well, I'm not very good at this, as you know. But, I, I know. That's okay. But I mean, it's a uh, it's 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 donated truck and it's volunteer truck and it's uh it's not many owner operators involved in it. It's usually the big companies and stuff. They they take these wreaths over there to the national cemetery so they can be laid on uh you know laid on the headstones of all the guys in the national cemeteries. I mean, this year they they actually covered every grave. They actually put one on every you know Christian wow. or non-denominational headstone in Arlington National Cemetery, which I believe was like 230,000. So they covered, uh, they covered, I think 1,100 national cemeteries nationwide. I mean, as far as got them, got raised to them. They didn't actually cover every stone, but they rotate them around. So within a five-year period, every headstone in the national cemetery does get a remembrance wreath. Well, and thank you for sharing that. And, and more importantly, thank you for our service, for your service to our country, because that's really what that was. And and I, I know you're uncomfortable with that, but that's OK, because it's a pretty amazing thing. And I wanted to recognize that. So the the what I came up with on the solar. First off, let me tell you, I never got to do it in real life. It was one of those projects I just couldn't get to. I had it all designed. I knew which companies I wanted to work with and try. And I, I still think they're probably the best options. So I, I can give you some ideas, but I haven't tested any of this myself. Well, I have tested the company's solar panels themselves on a small scale. And I was pretty impressed with their stuff. I hadn't got to putting it on a, a full-blown truck. So here was what I had laid out kind of as, as the way I was going to start this to see how it would work. The company that makes the solar panels is called E-Now. E-N-O-W. And oh, you can go to entertainment. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. That, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's Peter Arpin's company. Yeah. So you can go to, you know, enow.com. Um, right. They're the ones I was working with. They they make the solar panels. I tested them, love the stuff. They were willing to work for me. They with me, they do, you know, total trailers. They've done it on on in other operations. One of the common ones is um, electric lift gate trailers with a lot of stops all day long, and it's hard to power those things. So they were uh, pretty big into that and a couple other operations. And I said, you know, I want to do something totally different. I, I want to turn the trailer into a giant solar collector and storage system and then get the power up to the tractor so I can use it for hotel loads. And they said, no problem. You know, we have plenty of space on a trailer to really add as many deep cycle batteries as we are willing to put up with the weight of, because that is a downside. Batteries are heavy, but the thing about batteries is it's just a numbers game. 
Each battery can store so many amp hours of power. And then we can look at the amount of power we need and how long we need it and calculate how many batteries it's going to take. Most of the time, we end up compromising. We end up not putting on as many batteries as we want because of either money or space or weight, one of those three. If those three things are unlimited, you know, money, space, and weight, if they're not an issue for us, we could power a lot of things for a very long period of time, but they are limited. So, so finding that number is part of what the experimenting and testing was going to be all about, but we can calculate it. We can look at the, the device we want to run. It'll, we can figure out how many amp, amps it uses per hour. Then we just you know add up all our devices and say, okay, if we want to run all this stuff for eight hours, this is how many batteries we're going to use. Batteries, as far as what to use, is a little all over the board. I was going to start with the, the Blue Top Optima batteries and see how they did. But if you look at the RV world for hotel loads, they tend to use six-volt batteries, which are primarily golf cart batteries. So there, it, it's a very different system from what we're used to. So I was going to do a little more research to see you know, which one really had the advantages because I'm not real clear on that part yet. But I think either one would would work. I was just trying to figure out which one would absolutely work best. So that becomes the trailer. We cover the top with solar panels. We have a solar controller and, and you know, we have the digital readout so we can see how much solar we're collecting at any given moment. We can see how much how much voltage we have stored. Uh, we can see if there's any draw on the system on this, you know, this little readout. So we'd have the solar panels on the top. We'd figure out how many batteries we wanted and we'd mount them on the trailer because we have much more space. Then we go up to the tractor. And, and what is it that we're trying to do? That That's what we have to identify. Primarily, the, the things that we've fought with over the years, I, I don't see heat as an issue. Uh, it, it's it's so easy to put on diesel-fired bunk heaters that draw virtually no power and use tiny amounts of diesel fuel and will drive you out of the cab. They'll get them so hot, and they'll also keep your coolant hot if you want to set them up like that. So to me, heat wasn't the issue. The big issue is cooling in the summertime. How do I stay cool in the cab? And then the secondary issue all the electronics I want to run and, and refrigerators, laptops, hotspots, printers, all kinds of things. So I'm going to get to a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, maybe get some specifics on what you guys are thinking you might want to have up in the cab. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rothford. I'm going to go right back to Mississippi. I was talking with Stephen. Stephen, does that all make sense so far? It does. And I mean, that's, I'm sorry about laughing in the beginning, but he now is, is, is Peter Arpin's, he's some sort of partner in that company, and that's who's doing the trailer. So obviously, somebody took your idea some time ago and just oh, good. making it. Good. Yeah, they told me, well, you're going to be the guinea pig, Steve. Oh, good. I'm glad for both of those things, because I know you'll take it seriously and you'll give them good feedback. And I, I'm glad that that is a partnership between those two. That should make this easier. And the thing is, you know, whatever they learn, we're going to be able to kind of copy them, even if they don't tell us what's going on. I, I can kind of see. So I, I, I love these companies that are innovating new things, trying new things, because we all benefit from that. So what are you guys primarily looking to do up in the cab? Tell me some of the things that are going to draw power. Well, they, <clears throat> well, my, uh, the rooftop AC unit, uh, you know, I got a refrigerator and microwave and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a house on wheels essentially. Right. So, I mean, and the, the rooftop and that, is what they're concerned about, I believe. Okay. That could be challenging. Now, the good news is, that I'm sure there are people at E now that are up on battery technology more than I am. I, I've been working pretty hard to understand it better, but I, I'm sure they've got some numbers they're looking at. In my experience so far with the components I've seen on the market, the, the batteries and the air conditioners, even though there are companies out there saying we can run an air conditioner for 12 hours off four deep cycle batteries, I think that is a real stretch. And from my experience of trying things like that, it seems like you might get that once in a while under very optimal conditions if you're not doing anything else. But people in the real world are doing other stuff. Your refrigerator's running. You might have a hotspot going, two or three cell phones charging, a computer on. Like you said, yours is a house on wheels. You're going to have outlets and other things plugged in we're not even thinking of. So my thought is that if I were to try this and, and I would want to do it in, a, in an operation where I wasn't very weight sensitive, I would probably want double the number of batteries. I, I would probably want to start with eight deep cycle batteries. Right. Yeah, weight's not an issue at this point because, I mean, I'm a bed bugger. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very rarely, you know, dealing with the weight issue. Yeah, so this or is a... A great, you're a great test bed. You keep the same trailer. You know, we can totally cover the top with with solar panels. There is space that we can put the batteries, and weight isn't a big deal for you. So, they will probably come up with their own number, I would imagine. But if I were going to try it, I think I would start with eight. Okay. All right, I got it. And that that's kind of, you know, from experience of of a couple different RVs with setups like this. My current RV, I have four class 31 uh, deep cycle batteries, the exact same thing we put in a truck. Now, now let me let me throw out another possibility. And I think this is the future, but it it's still pretty outrageously expensive. I mean, we can probably get if, if we shop around, we can get, you know, four deep cycle, good quality batteries, group 31 for probably a thousand bucks. Now, if, if we were willing to spend about four to five times that much, 
there are companies that will build um, lithium ion batteries in any size you want them. You just tell them the capacity and they'll build a custom case. They'll put all the cells in it. And now you've kind of simplified the system because we've only got one battery, one connection. Lithium ion is a far superior technology to lead acid or even deep cycle or flooded glass mat or any of the other options we, we would traditionally use. Lithium ion is what we have in most of our electronic devices. Lots of energy stored in a, a pretty small space. But the cost right now is really four to five times lead acid. At your company probably has you know money to invest like that, and, and maybe they're thinking along those lines. I'd love to see somebody do that. I think I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I just briefly spoke to him yesterday about it, probably about ten minutes, and I and the way he was talking is we're looking at he's looking at maybe ten twelve thousand dollars worth of stuff actually going into the tractor. You know what wow. I mean? It's going to be. Okay. So that's what he was saying. He was like, hey, I'm going to take care of the trailer. I'm going to do all this to the trailer and stuff, but we need to come to some sort of agreement on what we're going to put in the tractor since it's your tractor. You know, then so I put this in, we'll bill, we'll bill you back. You know, when times are slow, we won't bill you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, what kind of number are you talking? He's talking, he told me $10,000, $12,000. Okay. So that tells me these guys are serious. They're, they're not messing around with lead acid, deep cycle, you know, six volt golf cart batteries. We're talking some pretty cutting edge technology. The trailer is going to cost 10 to 12,000 just in solar panels. And if they're talking right. enough. 12,000 up in the tractor, they're going to be doing some really cutting edge stuff. So I love the fact that you called me for some advice, but I'm going to be looking to find out what these guys are doing. <laughs> I'll keep you updated on it. All right. I appreciate it. Hey, great talking to you again. Uh, call in, call in more. Love to talk to you. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Kentucky. I think we got Adam back. Adam, are you there this time? Yes, sir. How are you doing? Doing great. What's on your mind today? Uh, I had a couple of comments and a, and a question for you. Uh, my first thing is, is I, I decided to go ahead and start my subscription with Audible. Uh, got my first audio book the other day. Uh, I, I don't like reading very much. So I decided to give the Audible a try. And I, I bought the, the, uh, the book Money, Master of the Game by Tony Robbins. Excellent. And I'm up to chapter 22 so far, and all I can say is it is excellent. Uh, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning a whole lot through this book, and it's unbelievable. Well, congratulations uh, so on, two, on two fronts here. One, that even though you don't like to read, which puts you in the vast majority, by the way, of the population, the, the vast majority of the American population never reads an entire book after high school. It, it you are in the majority. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, through the first page. <laughs> yeah. Most people don't bother picking up the book. So they don't know how far they would ever get. And that's pretty common. So congratulations on saying, well, you know what? I can't I, I just really don't like reading, but maybe I could listen. And it sounds like it, it's working for you. And then Congratulations on on picking a, a really good topic to get started on. Learning more about you know something we all have to deal with every day, which is money. Oh yeah, I'm gonna keep going with there, it. There's a lot more I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get and, and listen to them. I got all kinds of time. That's right. Good. Uh, my my second thing is uh, 
I'll go ahead and, and uh, ask you my question, and then I, I want it'll kind of follow up with the with the other topic you talked about several shows ago. Um, yesterday, I had a um, radiator hose blow out on me, and ever since then, I fixed it on the side of the road. And ever since then, uh, when I when my jack brakes come on, a truck starts to to jerk. You know, it, it starts shaking real bad. And I'm wondering, maybe it's just got to do maybe in the breather side of it. Maybe I got some antifreeze in the breather. But Boy, I, I don't I, know where else to go with that. I, I, my first thought is that these two things have nothing to do with each other whatsoever. It, and I know right. our first instinct is to say this happened and then this happened. And we want to link them together because that's logical, but sometimes things just happen. And, and I, I, I'm okay. not thinking of any common way that this could have happened. Now, what engine is this? This is a pre EGR 60 series. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty simple engine. Uh, you know, maybe I'm just not thinking of something, but I just don't know how those two would be related at all. Um, okay. Yeah. Just not coming up with anything. Maybe somebody else have something I'm not thinking of, but I, I would for right now, I would treat these as they were two separate incidents. Okay. Look at them separately. I got it. Okay. That, yep. that kind of follows up with a topic you were talking about several shows ago is I set a goal, uh, three days ago, I set a goal. I owe just under $8,000 on my truck. And my goal was to pay my truck off by March 20th and have, you know, a couple thousand dollars in my pocket before I went to Max. Okay. Um, and yesterday was my first day out on the road since I set my goal, and I'll be dash darned if my truck didn't break down on me. So, Got it. If, <laughs> topic Let you me- had the other day is when we set a goal, something always happens to set us back. Let me Let me recommend another book that will help you understand that concept. But also, let me tell you, the book is going to help you understand it, but there's no real clear explanation. This is kind of one of those things maybe about the universe that we might just not really get yet. But the book is called The War of Art by Stephen Pressman. And when you hear me, when you hear me at the end of every show, and I, I use the phrase, do the hard work. I don't say work hard. I say do the hard work. Those are two very different things. That phrase comes from his book. And what he talks about is when, well, I don't want to rush this because it's a pretty important concept. So I'm going to put you back on hold. When I come back, I'm going to explain this concept and then I'll move on to take another call. Um, We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rothman.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. So the the book, The War of Art, a lot of people would maybe pick the book up, look at what it's about and, and say, this isn't for me. I did that once. And and I, I remember exactly when I changed my mind about that book. I had looked at it a couple of times because I had, it had been on the bestseller list. And I thought, that's just not for me. It's about writing. And I hate writing. I've talked about that before. And I almost got it because I thought maybe it'll help my writing. And then I, I just I couldn't face it. So I had Larry Winget on my show and him and I were talking. We had a great hour. He stayed on the show the whole time. And at the end of the show, I said, hey, Larry, I got a question for you. I, I know you read a lot. Tell me what the most important book I should be reading right now is. And without even hesitating, he said, the war of art. That's all I'm going to say. And he said, goodbye. I said, all right, I got to go get it. So I went and got it, and it is a lot about writing. The author, obviously, is a writer, but he's also a screenwriter. Um, he's written some big screenplays and some books that have been turned into movies. The The Legend of Bagger Vance. Uh, if you're into golf and you like that movie, The Legend of Bagger Vance, uh, that was written by Stephen Pressfield. So the idea of doing the hard work, and that's different for everybody, but it's a pretty clear concept. The hard work is the stuff that would be really important in our life, the stuff that would change our life. Working hard is just what most of us do anyway. That, that's not life-changing stuff. Most of us go to work and we work hard. It doesn't change our life. It, it just barely kind of gets us through life. Doing the hard work is facing those things that, that really would be life-changing for you and the people around you. And again, it's different for everybody. And then just kind of sucking it up and doing it. And, and he talks a lot about what he calls the resistance. And the resistance is that kind of woohoo, airy, fairy kind of thing that we can't explain. But he does a pretty good job of it, that the more important the work is that you decide to take on. For example, if... Um, you know, if we were to pick something relatively small, let me think of something. I, I hate to trivialize any of this, but let, it's, um, it, it, let's just say your finances. I know that's not really small, but let's say you were going to eliminate your debt um, as, as a first step towards a, a much bigger financial picture. But this is our first goal. We're going to eliminate some debt. And Adam, actually, this kind of fits with what you're just talking about. And again, it's not little. But in the big scheme of things, it's not one of these really, really big things. So he says the minute you decide to start doing it and you actually work on it, you will meet the resistance. And we can't explain why. And the more important and the bigger the thing is, the worse the resistance will be. And it can and will come from everywhere, from your truck breaking down. Now, people are going to say that's just stupid. You deciding to pay off the truck could can't possibly have anything to do with the truck breaking down. Yeah, you know, you can keep thinking that if you want. Um, I don't believe that kind of stuff anymore. I, I believe that there are a lot of things we don't understand. I've seen it firsthand. It literally happens every single time. And the bigger the thing is I'm trying to take on, the worse the resistance is and the more places it comes from. People around you, who are normally very supportive may, may turn 
like screaming banshees on you out of nowhere and you don't even understand why. You, things will break down. Uh, other things will start to become more important. Uh, you'll get sick. It, it's just, it's endless. And, and it, it, I believe it's one of the biggest reasons. I, I think all of us want to do big things. I believe we've faced the resistance and failed to, to fight back so many times that people give up because it is tough, really tough. You know, I, I always say that my mission is to change the trucking industry and make it a better place. That's a big mission. When I sit down to, to work on a project to get there, I face this kind of stuff nonstop. And there's no easy way. You, you, this is one of those areas where you just have to suck it up and figure out how you're going to get through this stuff. And very, very few people ever do it successfully over a long period of time. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's uh, let's go to Mass. Kurt, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, good. I wanted to see if I could get something from you and give you something. So the first thing I is to give you something is um, right along the topic of that last gentleman, um, TED Talks on podcasts. I really enjoy it because you could just hit it. It runs or about 15 minutes of pop. It doesn't cost you anything, and there's really some pretty cool stuff there. Um, Absolutely. Great stuff. Yeah. Thank you. And then, and then uh, secondly, my question for you is uh, in regards to, I just saw our friends over there at Bose Ride. Great, great people. Uh, a little bit of a challenge I have, though. I have a same truck as you do, and um, they're same generation. And my the base plate that they have does not fit, so I couldn't get my little fancy Bose Ride that I was so looking forward to today. So, I was wondering, how did you put yours in your truck? Are we talking? See, I've I've installed a couple myself, or helped with the installation on Coronados. Are we talking about the Coronado or my current truck? The no, Volvo? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the uh, Volvo 99 Volvo. Okay, well, I'm embarrassed to say that I would have to go look. Um, what happened when I bought this truck? Literally, this, if you if you heard the story when I told it. We were in the middle of getting ready for a CMC the week before traveling. I found this truck online. It was on the East Coast in Virginia. We were in Kansas City, and I, I jumped on a plane that night, bought the truck, and drove it back. And I, I literally took it over to T&E uh, Service, who is, who is our partner in the CMC for all of our modifications and work. I gave it both trucks to those guys because I had all this stuff on my Freightliner. And I said, here, guys, you know, get as much of this done as you can by the end of the week. And literally, I went back, picked up the truck, walked around, looked at most things. You know, I inspected all the time. But I honestly never paid any attention to how the seat went in. Okay. Yeah, I was out there with you, and I, I, saw, I saw the guys over at T&E. And so maybe I'll give Chris a call. Maybe he can recall and see. Yeah, uh, they, did a, see they, did, they did a great job on it. They put two of them in. You know, we have... Uh, we have one on the passenger side as well. And, and I never even questioned it because I just came back and it was in and, and they didn't say they had any problems or anything. Yeah. I was thinking, uh, in looking at it, I might have to make my own custom plate, but, um, I just thought I'd get some advice from uh, somebody that had the exact same setup. So I appreciate it. And, uh, thanks for all you do. All right. Thanks for the call. Great, uh, great tip on the Ted talks. Those are amazing. And they, they fit our, uh, our society's shortened attention span, mine even, 
because I, I'll tell you, I don't have a lot of patience for most videos on the internet or, and I know the, you can watch them in video, you can get them in podcast, which that is the real trick. I think the podcast was easy for me to listen to. I love audio because I can do it while I drive or while I walk or work out. Whereas the videos, I, I just don't, and TED Talk videos are excellent. Most of the video on the internet is garbage and I just don't have a lot of patience for it. So great tip. Let's head off to Cheryl in Austin. It's your turn. Hi. Welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking our call. I got John on the phone with us. Hey, a quick question about per diem. We're looking at two different companies who both offer uh, part of your settlement as per diem. Um, company A ends up more, uh, more, more money at the bottom line on the settlement check. Okay, so what I need, company B. but I, I, I need like real numbers. Real so because, numbers, okay. So this is a numbers equation. So tell me it's how much equation. A will pay you uh, in payroll, in, in employee wages. What is the, the per mile number? Uh, 24 cents per mile, 5 cents per mile as pre-tax dollar, as per diem. Okay. And one that's actually question. one. Oh, go ahead. One more about company A, because this is actually the most important question. If I look at that, overall, they are paying you 29 cents a mile. Is uh, 24, 19 and 5. 19 and five, 24 cents. Why so low? Okay. So that, all right. So I can still do that. Uh, so 19 and 5. So total of 24. Here's the important question. Is this mandatory or is there another option to get paid without per diem? Yes, there is an option to get paid without per diem. How much would it be? Uh, 23 cents a mile. No, it can't be. I have never, ever heard of a company that paid less in, in wages than they would in a combined wages and per diem. So either... Either I'm not explaining myself right or or we've got a very weird situation. Let me get to a break and I'll come back and we'll try to noodle our way through this. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Just a real quick heads up. We're heading into the fourth segment. We are going to record a second hour today. So at the end of the show, when I say all those things, I normally say, I'm done. I'm out of here. Don't hang up. We'll come right back and start another hour. Lots of calls and questions on the board. So I'll try to get to as many as I can.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. We're talking about per diem, which can confusing sometimes. And even I'm a little confused right now. So, Cheryl, let me just kind of say what is is so normal in the industry that I, I see very few exceptions. Normally, okay. if the company was offering you 19 cents as wages and five cents as per diem for a total of 24, the option without per diem the most common option would actually be 26, two cents a mile more. Some companies will cut it down to 25, just a penny more. And they say the reason is they have the expense of administering the per diem program and they incur additional taxes. The, the very best companies offer the same, just flat even. I have never, ever in the history of doing this come across a company who paid less in wages than they do in a combination of wages and per diem. That's why I'm confused. Well, yeah, that was, that was a confusing point for us as well. Um, the other company, they're paying. Well, uh, when we go to them. Let me just say, if you choose company A, take the per diem hands down. You would be, yes. ins- anybody would be insane to take less as a total wage. That's why I've never seen a program like that. It makes absolutely no sense. So with company A, if these numbers are correct, and I, I just have a feeling they're not, um, you would go with the per diem on this one. So let's talk about company B. Okay, company B, um, the straight pay is the same, 23 cents a mile split. Um, but what they do is they take your total, uh, they take your total mileage pay they deduct $59 per day that you're out and take that and set it aside as pre-tax dollars and then add it back in. Perfect. Uh, and that is, so, oh, yeah. As long as you, and I'm assuming you are, as long as you guys are good with the pay itself and we're, we're not discussing the pay and how it compares to anything else, no, is, no, I actually created a spreadsheet and, and compared the two at uh, okay. 6,000 miles a week, 4,000 miles and seven. Got it. Okay, good. So, and that's exactly how we would do that. Then this per diem system here is the best way it could possibly be set up. This is the advantage is totally to you and the company is actually taking on some of the see there there's advantages and disadvantages to both sides of the equation the you know the That's company what we're does looking for some additional taxes by having a per diem program and here's the reason why if a company pays you in wage they get to deduct 100% if they pay you in per diem they only get to deduct 80% of what they paid you but they also don't have to pay you their half of the social security and medicare workers comp state unemployment, oh, federal. Right. So it, it's a it's a good program for them. But unfortunately, most of the trucking companies got, in my opinion, got greedy. And what they said was, hey, look, we can show our drivers that this per diem program is a good deal for them. And it can be. But but because it's such a good deal and they're going to get more money every week in their hand, let's charge them two cents and tell them it's a handling cost and we have to administer the pro and that's BS. It, 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 in my opinion, that was just a way for the carriers to gouge a couple more cents because, Oh, we're giving them something. Let's grab a little bit of it for ourselves. 
And I think that and that's was my issue with company B is that's what yeah. they're doing. Well, see, the way you described it to me is backwards, though. They're they're paying more in the per diem. They're not charging you to administer a per diem program. They were paying you more. You told well, me they quoted. And, and if it's pure wage, it was only 23. That That's why I'm so confused. That makes absolutely no sense. So, uh, yeah, Company B quoted 23 cents a mile. And then if we do per diem, they drop it to 22 cents a mile and pay us. $59 a day as pre-tax wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You told me company B was exactly the same. It's not the exact well, the, the, the difference. The no. starting pay, the base pay before you do per diem no, is the same. That's how they play the games. That makes uh -huh. no sense. One, in one hand, you're telling me the base pay is 23 cents. And then you're saying it's exactly the same under per diem. It's 22 cents. I don't know, unless it's common core math, 22 is never the same as 23. Well, we must, I must, must have misspoke. I apologize. Okay. This is why so, the industry has done such a poor job of, of and, and the, what frustrates me so much is this could be a good program for everybody if they could just get their, their top side out of their bottom side and explain it right and administer it right. The only loser in a well-run per diem program is the government. And I'm good with that. They have, they waste yeah, too much too. money anyway. So if it's done right, everybody wins except the government. And I love that. But see, when they pull crap like this, oh, it's the same base pay, but we're going to deduct this and hold it back and give it back to you over here. And, and they give you so many different things that it sounds right, but it, it's not. It, so let me let me go back and say this isn't the perfect. There are some companies that ab absolutely do it right. There's no penalty to the driver for taking the per diem option. You are being penalized a penny a mile. Yeah, and it, and that's the part I don't like. Well, and here's what you need to do. And, and it's not an easy calculation. But if we want to know, I, I can give you some averages. And, and here are the numbers that I've worked out over the years as averages. If the company is penalizing you, and I, I don't care what they call it, I call it a penalty. <laughs> company is penalizing yeah. you two cents a mile to do a per diem program. I usually say, don't even bother. Stick with the wages. It's, it's too close. And there's too many variables to figure it out. But the odds are you're probably going to end up losing. If it's one cent a mile, this is the one that we usually need to explore the hardest with each individual because everybody's tax situation is different. The number of miles they run is different. And we have to do some number crunching when it's a penny a mile, which is what the program on company B is you're talking about. So right. I, what you're going to have to do really, unless you could figure out all these issues yourself, I don't have time to explain them all. Yeah, is, I understand take it to your accountant, get him to understand what they're doing and let him run a tax scenario to see which way you come out better. If, if it's dead even that there's no penalty, which is pretty rare, but there are companies that do it. If it's dead, even it's a no brainer. I'll take it every time. I don't even have to run the numbers. Does that make sense? So on the, yeah, it does. And so on uh, the one that's paying per diem as a cents per mile, the five cents per mile, 
my only concern with that is that it would it be would we still need to keep track of our number of full days and partial days out to make sure that we're not getting paid more than uh, in total for DM track. dollars than we should? We have to track for two reasons. One, you said, yeah, it, it's your responsibility to know whether or not they paid you too much. Actually, the IRS holds everybody on the hook. If the company runs what they call a non-accountable plan, which that would turn into a non-accountable plan, the company could be penalized. But ultimately, you were the one that received the income. And it's up to you to say, wait a minute, I only qualified for this much. They paid me this much. And then you have two options. You can give the money back, which would be really stupid. Or you can just say, okay, they paid me too much. I have to report it on my tax return as income and pay some tax on it. So, yes, you do need to keep track it, on both programs, though. You, okay. you need to keep on both because the, the company could make a mistake in their $59 calculation. Other things could happen. And, and we also want to know, and in the $59 program, you wouldn't have to worry about this part of it. In the mileage, you would. We want to know if they underpay us because if they underpay us enough, depending on our tax situation, we could claim the difference as a tax deduction on our tax return. Okay. So um, the, the comp company, the A, that pays the five cents per mile, I mean, the bottom line, I ran the numbers, that company, our, our, pay, our settlement check at the end of the week is more than the settlement check with company B. In, in theory. Uh, it, well, I use the same numbers, you know, 6,000 miles uh, a week. That, yeah, that's why I mean in theory. Days out. That's, yeah. That's, that's always the big unknown. But but you're right. You're doing exactly what you should be doing. You're, you're calculating the right numbers. The problem in, in the question of company A and company B is somebody, I believe, explained company A totally wrong to you. And, and if we don't know what the real program is, there's no way I can come up with an answer. So yeah, I would recommend you go back to company A if you're considering them and get this clarified because it something has to be wrong with the numbers that you gave me. Uh, is your head ready to explode yet? That's the IRS system. That's just one little tiny thing in our tax code. And it takes me two segments to explain it to one person. And, and I don't mind doing it. We have to understand this stuff. Boy, would I love to have a fair tax. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you back here next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Do that hard work I talked about and master the journey. Kevin Rothbard.
Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.